We'll just open it in a word of prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, we, we just thank you so much for your word. And we thank you that your word has power. And we just pray, Lord, now that you would help us to understand it. And that we would be able to apply it to our lives. That our lives would be changed. And that we would be conformed more and more into the image of Jesus. And it's through Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um, so as we continue in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, we read in these verses all about judgment. Jesus has been addressing our conduct as believers. He has been unveiling the true demands of the law. And he has been exposing the hypocritical self-righteousness of the Pharisees. Matthew 7 and verse 1 is often referred to as the non-Christian's favourite verse. And it's often misquoted. Judge not that you be not judged. When a true believer is taking a stand for doctrine, a stand for the gospel, when they are condemning sin, we often hear the reply, didn't Jesus say that you can't judge me? You see, for many people, they see this one verse in the Bible as a license to live for their own sinful desires without consequence. They see this verse as Jesus banning the condemnation of sin. But of course, this is just not true. Jesus himself, he confronts sinners several times. And he has a love for sinners that leads him to address their sin and show them their need of salvation and calling them to repentance. We think of the woman at the well in John 4. And Jesus there, he clearly exposes her adultery. He doesn't shy away from condemning sin at all throughout his ministry. So the question remains, what does Jesus mean when he says, judge not that you be not judged? So I think it might be just helpful to list a few things that that Jesus does not mean. Firstly, Jesus does not mean that we are to abolish the justice system. The Bible itself, it institutes this system. In Exodus 18, we can read about how Moses sat and he judged the people and then he delegates this role to trustworthy men. And so Jesus here, he does not seek to abolish this. The justice system has a very important role in society and it is instituted in the Bible. Secondly, Jesus does not prohibit us from disproving of something. We should evaluate things. We should come to a decision on things. We should use wisdom. Jesus himself says in John 7 and verse 24, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. This right judgment is clearly encouraged by Jesus. Thirdly, Jesus does not prohibit doctrinal discernment. And the Bible clarifies this in 2 John, verse 10. John warns his reader about false teachers. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. And so it's clear we are to use a godly discernment when it comes to doctrine. And we will pick up on that discernment later. 
So what then does Jesus mean? Well, I believe what Jesus is prohibiting here is a self-righteous, critical, judgmental spirit. I've lost my wee clicker. Um, so Martin Lloyd-Jones, he refers to the spirit as a hypercritical one. When we have a jealousy or an envy of others, when we take pleasure in finding their flaws, this is the self-righteous attitude. This is the fault-finding attitude of the Pharisees. And we see this throughout the Gospels. As the Pharisees, they pore over the laws. They seek to find sins in others. They're oblivious to their own shortcomings. We must remember that Jesus, he preached this passage in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And in the previous weeks and months, we have studied Jesus' preaching on our conduct as believers. From loving our enemies, to fasting and prayer, to materialism, anxiety. And as with any sermon, we we can find it very easy to apply to other people. Maybe we think in the car on the way home, you know, I just, I just wish he was here to listen to that this morning. I hope she was taking notes today. Or even, I'll have to send him the audio to that later. He, he needs to hear it. But in the midst of this sermon, Jesus, he steps in and he says, Judge not. We are to primarily focus on our own sin. We are to apply his teaching to our lives, first and foremost, When we sit in judgment on the affairs of other people, we're trying to play God. And we have no right to this hypercritical view. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so the consequence is very clear in this passage. When we judge others, we shall be judged ourselves. We too are sinners. And when we judge others, we are showing our awareness of their sin. We cannot then claim ignorance when we break God's law ourselves. And so when we pronounce judgment on others, when we measure up their sin that measure will be used against us. So we shouldn't make hypocrites of ourselves. We shouldn't be like the Pharisees. When we use this mindset, we soon realize that only a holy God can judge. And we have to resist the urge to take this role on ourselves. We must never play God. When we read in the Gospels, we see the Pharisees guilty of this over and over again. They loved to stand in judgment on the affairs of others. If you just turn with me to John chapter 8, um, I, I want us to look at a helpful example of this. John chapter 8 and reading from verse 3. And we're just going to read about the one who was caught in adultery. 
The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. See, the Pharisees, they wanted to judge this woman. They even wanted to judge Jesus, to test how he would respond. But when their own lives are questioned, they each turn away one by one. You see, when the, when the measure they used was measured to them, they could not stand. And like the Pharisees, we have no right to stand in judgment. God alone is to be the judge. So, so let's leave it to him. When we judge others like this, we often display our own hypocrisy. We hold others to a high standard, yet we are oblivious to, or we even justify, our own wrongdoings. Jesus, he uses a comparison to illustrate this hypocritical attitude. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus here, he paints a picture of a man pointing at the sin in another man's life. A speck. When he has an enormous sin, a log in his own eye. And it's, it's almost laughable. Jesus, he is showing us here the scale of our hypocrisy. And you know, this log in our own eye, it is often our self-righteous spirit. We see the best in ourselves. We, we make excuses for our mistakes. We give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. When we make a harsh comment in work, when we, we snap back at our, at our family or our friends, it's just been a long day. You know, I'm, I'm just not a morning person. You asked me at the wrong time. I was under a lot of pressure that day. It was stressful. But when someone makes that comment to us, when 
a car pulls out in front of us on the road, immediately they're awful ignorant. She's a nasty piece of work, her. See, we make excuses for ourselves, but how often do we give other people a bit of grace? We can see the worst in others and the best in ourselves. We can see the speck in their eyes far too easily, but we totally miss the log in our own. And here in this passage, Jesus, he tells us that a kingdom mindset, it flips this on its head totally. We are to examine our own lives first. We are to remove the log in our own eye first. And only then can we graciously and gently help others remove the specks from their own eyes. I want to just take a minute to illustrate this with a passage in Scripture. And we don't need to take the time to turn to it, but in Second Samuel chapter 12, we see Nathan the prophet rebuking King David. David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he had her husband Uriah the Hittite killed on the battlefield. David, he had committed both adultery and murder. And so the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to speak to King David to rebuke him for this sin. Nathan, he tells David a story of a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had plenty. He had many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb. And Nathan, he talks about how the man cared for this little lamb, how the man loved this lamb. I'm just going to read the next few verses. Now there came a traveller to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. See, David, he sees how sinful this man is. How could someone do such a thing? How could a rich man with so much Take from a poor man the one thing that he loved so dearly. And David, he pronounces a judgment here. As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. He's very bold in saying this. He, he measures the situation up and he finds this man to be worthy of death. But the next few words, they, they flip everything on its head. In verse 7, Nathan said to David, You are the man. See, David didn't realize that Nathan was talking about him. He had plenty of riches. He had many wives. He had everything. And yet he had taken the wife of Uriah, a man with much, much less. See, King David, 
he, he found it very easy to see the speck in the eye, but he missed the giant log in his own eye. And when the measure he used was measured to him, David had nowhere to stand. If we go back to our passage, I, I just want to focus your, your eye on the, on the word then in verse 5. And this is really important to note for us. Jesus does not prohibit us from removing the speck in our brother's eye. As we know, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. And we are to love one another. And true Christian love is a a purifying love. We should want to see the sanctification of our brothers and our sisters in this church. Our brothers and sisters in our friendships, in our homes. And if my brother, if he had a speck of sawdust in his eye, it would be unloving of me to ignore it and just let the infection set in. But the importance here is placed upon this word, then. Firstly, we need to address our own sin. And then, when we can see clearly, when we are without self-righteous motives, then we gently proceed with helping our brothers and our sisters. So having learned what Jesus means when he says, judge not, we now turn to verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. At first glance, this verse, it it seems a wee bit out of place here. But I I believe that Jesus now, having having taught the people to avoid this self-righteous judgment, he is now teaching them to use Godly discernment. Jesus is referring to the gospel here. Two weeks ago, Andrew, he preached on our treasure. And we're not to store up treasure on earth. We're to store up treasures for eternity. And the true treasure that we can hold on to, the, the lasting treasure that we in this church have, is the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And this gospel is holy. This gospel should be precious to us as pearls. In this verse there are, are two different animals mentioned. We read about dogs and about pigs. And these are two very different animals to us today. We think of our nice fluffy dogs running around the house getting bathed or groomed. You know, some of you might even put them in their own clothes for Christmas. Um, Well, it'll not surprise you that dogs in Jesus' day were, were much, much different than that. Here Jesus is talking about wild dogs. These were unclean dogs. And this word dogs, it has negative connotations. It was often used as an insult. Dogs would not appreciate that which is holy. They would tear it up 
and devour it. And likewise, a pig would not appreciate a pearl. A pig would have no care for such preciousness. And so what Jesus is teaching here is that we are to treat the gospel with such a preciousness, with such respect. Of course, we are to bring this gospel to unbelievers. We we are to make disciples of all nations. But yet we are always to treat this gospel with respect. There may be people in the world and they treat the gospel with disrespect. And we are not to let them mock such a precious gift. These people are like dogs or pigs. These dogs have no care for that which is holy. These pigs, they they have no time for pearls. They just want to wallow in the mud. Now we need to be very careful when we apply this principle. We need to use our discernment and judge not. We are not to class someone as too far away for God to save them. But in saying that, we, we can and we should be wise when we present the gospel. If we can see that their motives are to mock and disrespect the gospel of Jesus, we should not give these dogs that which is holy, and we should not throw our pearls before these pigs. I think it's really helpful here to see how the disciples were to apply this principle. As Jesus sends them out in Matthew 10, he says, And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. See, the disciples, they were sent to bring the gospel to the towns of Israel, but they were not to let the precious gospel be mocked. So as we come to a close, I think we need a bit of a reminder. See, the Sermon on the Mount, it addresses the true meaning of the law. It shows us how far short each of us fall. It shows us our true sinful nature. It cuts right through this tick box hypocrisy of the Pharisees that, that we can be guilty of. And as our sinful hearts are revealed to us, we need to look to Jesus. We need to come to the realization that that we find judging not in the true meaning an impossible task. And one day we will all be judged. And we are all guilty. You see, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us deserve eternal punishment. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ died for us. And today he is risen from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he invites each of us to come and find our rest in him. To trust in Jesus for the forgiveness 
of our sins and for our salvation. And so our challenge this morning, judge not. Don't be hypercritical of others. And don't be a hypocrite. Be discerning with our great treasure, the gospel. And in all of this, be directed to Jesus, knowing that we can't do any of this on our own strength. Knowing that our righteousness is like filthy rags. We, we cannot keep this perfect law. But Jesus Christ did. And it is in Jesus Christ that we can be made pure. Because the sinless Saviour died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. We'll just close in a word of prayer.